Hello and welcome once again to the Listen with Mother podcast with me, your host, Joanna Swan, and the titular mother, my mum, Jude York, nay Wallace. Now, I recorded this conversation six days ago, but it's taken me a while to edit it and put it out. Part of the reason for that was I was vacillating over music. I wanted to add music to this particular podcast, but I didn't know if I was allowed to because of copyright. And then I thought, well, that probably doesn't matter because I'm not making any money from this podcast. I'm not charging you. I'm not asking for sponsorship. So it's probably fine and then I had a go at it and then it turned out it was all academic because when I tried to add the music it was far too loud and you couldn't hear my mum's voice coming over the telephone and the Anchor app doesn't seem to have any capacity uh, to adjust volume on either the main conversation or background music so I thought let's not do that but I did just put a little bit on this introduction (laughs) anyway. Right, let's get on. Our next door neighbour's taking advantage of the lockdown. He's been up on his roof scrubbing his roof tiles. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Who scrubs their roof? (laughs) He's making a jolly good job of it. had some more school stories? Well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, at uh, Haberdashers when we used to have the school parties and that, and that was sort of something that people might interest your listeners, your devoted listeners. Yeah, well, I don't think I even heard any school party stories. Well, at um, Haberdashers School, um, school patron saint. Uh, when I was at Miss Bowers' school, as, as I told you, the, the saint was Saint Nicholas, you know, the jolly Christmas saint. Yeah, well, fine. if you but, look into the history, he wasn't very jolly at all. No, but I'm sure, I'm sure he, he was picked as being a benign, benign to children, which is why the school was Saint Nicholas' school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but our, our school patron saint at uh, Haberdashers was Saint Catherine. Oh. And she was the one who was tied to a wheel and sent downhill to her grisly death, um, after whom the, saint, the Catherine Wheel Firework is named. Mm-hmm. And that was a bit, of a bit of a contrast to jolly, benevolent <laughs> Santa Claus. Yes. And he, so anyway, on St. Catherine's Day, which I think is in November, yes, it is in November, every year, of the few of year, mm. um, we had a school party. Right. And, and this party was called a koinonia. Oh. Uh, rather like I told you, our, our gym um, outfits were called ketons because it's Greek. Well, a koinonia is a Greek party where you bring the food yourself and you bring your 
crockery and cutlery yourself. Uh huh. So we have to do that. We'll have to take some sort of food to add to it and all that. Yes. So he had this, and then we it was much excitement after school on the day. We'd go in the cloakroom and change in. We're allowed to wear a party frock, so we change out of our uniform into a party frock. Very nice. And then we were allowed to put on makeup, Ooh. but a little light lipstick and powder, but on no account any eye makeup. Oh. And again, this was a thing because in the 1960s it was all about the eyes, wasn't it? Yeah, the heavy black so, eyeliner. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it was thought that eye makeup was alluring, but a little light lipstick and powder was sort of what one's mother might have worn or grandmother. <laughs> so that was loud. <laughs> and then we had this, this meal, this coin noon. Oh, and I don't know, I can't remember if it was before the meal or afterwards, um, there was a little performance on the stage. Mm. And uh, most years it was, like mostly the members of staff um, playing musical instruments. I remember one year the English teacher came on in a striped waistcoat and she played in a bowler hat. She played the clarinet and she was being Acker Bill playing <laughs> Stranger on the Shore. Oh, we swooned. We thought that was wonderful. You swooned? But, <laughs> swooned. Oh, <look>, Acker Bill. <laughs> Did she have a little goatee? I don't think so. I can't remember. But yeah, maybe she did. Um, yeah, and but one year, and I guess it might have been when I was in the lower six, um, we put on a little play ourselves and we wrote it. And it was um, a sort of a fusion of Doctor Who and James Bond, both of which were very, very popular at the time. Yeah. And... Um, remember it was it's very well received and um my friend Janet Langley who was the other town girl in my class yeah we went down to her house and her father the aforementioned bus driver do you remember oh yes he had made he had made a dalek for us Oh, oh, that cardboard and silver foil, a full-size sort of Dalek. Nice. So, so we had cheers and uh, applause for our, for our little play. Yeah. <laughs> and then after, at the, uh, the last stage of the party was dancing. And um, this consisted usually, mostly, of English country dances which we we had to practice all year, a sort of um, after-school thing one day a week when we did English country dancing. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, not only did we have a school saint, but we had a school dance, and it was called the Sir Roger de Coverley. Oh, yes. And it was like one of those, a strip dance, uh, you know, we have um, two rows of people, and then you... you um, dance up and down. Yeah. Is that the one that goes um do 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 do
it took ages. It took almost the whole of the rest of the afternoon to get finished because you all had to, you know, had to do it all in turn and then go through the arch at the end and round and back and the next couple do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it just went the, the whole length of the school hall was the one, you know, the one dance team. So <laughs> round and round and up and down. Yeah, and it's girls dancing with girls, isn't it? It's oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's what um, I was going to say about the makeup. Mm. You saying um, it was alluring if you, well, it wasn't to be alluring, but no, no. boys would have seen you anyway. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Well, <laughs> maybe they thought that might be. They might well, I don't know what some, they thought. Sapphic, <laughs> some sapphic relationship. Possibly. I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> but we were allowed, uh, in latter years, I seem to remember, the, um, or was it that I think maybe the younger ones went home earlier than the sixth form, or yeah. fifth and sixth form, and then we were allowed, we were older ones, were allowed to bring in records mm -hmm. and... Um, Dance to pop music. Oh. Yes. Did the that record have to be pre-approved in any way? <laughs> I don't remember that, but I mean, this would be, um, well, I suppose things like Adam's Face and whatnot, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, no, mid-60s, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Some yeah. was starting to get pretty pretty racy yeah. around then. I was just imagine. Well, it would, it would only be about half an hour of it anyway. Yeah. But I do remember probably um, the last, it may have been the last year. No, no, it was earlier than 1963, wasn't it, that Kennedy died? So, no, it would be quite early on then. Oh. Um, and I and my father and sister had come to collect me from the party and uh, and see my sister coming in the room with an ashen face and uh, everything sort of ground to a halt and she she said um, President Kennedy's been shot. I can still I can still see that in my mind that sort of scene of us all looking aghast, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, that that would have been. I'd only have been 14 then, wouldn't I? Yeah. Mm. So that was the great experience of a St. Catherine's Day party. I see. Nobody, nobody got themselves inside a wheel and no, got pushed down a hill no, then. I wonder what the life lesson was supposed to be of the uh, tale of St. The fate of St. Catherine. Well, I don't think it's a life lesson. I think it's just a martyrdom. I think it's, I, yes. I don't it, think it, it, you're supposed to suffer in the cause of... Like all martyrs. Most of the saints are martyrs. Most of them. Which reminds me, we also, apart from a saint uh, and a dance, had a school motto, and that was serve and obey. Oh no! And our school song, our school hymn, was that hymn, which goes, the chorus goes, the the we may serve and obey. I don't know what the rest of it. Can't remember it, but it was the 
God. But I think the whole ethos was your time on earth is to serve and obey. And uh, as you know, this is I have followed throughout my life, serving and obeying wherever I go. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that that was for a girls' school. There were some naughty girls, um, not me obviously, but there were some um, jolly, ja jolly japes <laughs> went on. Oh. One that comes to mind is the, the tale of Mamselle's hearing aid. I've probably told you this one. Oh yeah, go on. When we had this this French mistress, Mamselle, she was very elder. Well, yeah, she was elderly to us, um, and she didn't really speak much English. She she came from Switzerland, and um, she used to come over every term, and and. Um, in a boarding house and came to teach French and um, she had a hearing she wore a hearing aid which in those days was a very large cumbersome thing mm. so it was very obvious and it had, like, the sort of controls were on a cable around her neck sort of thing yeah. and um, one day um, one of my classmates better not name her um, brought a tuning fork into the class Ooh. and she sat with this tuning fork under the desk banging it against the wood of the desk so that it was making this oh. noise uh, which Mamselle thought was a fault in her hearing aid. Oh, that's... How cruel, how cruel when you think it. about it. We thought it was hilarious because she kept turning her hearing aid on and off and mumbling in French at it and sort of fiddling with it. Wow. Really naughty and cruel, wasn't it? Yeah. Sort of people we were. Yeah. It 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 makes the the things that happened to me as a teacher seem very mild. <laughs> and in fact, yeah. I always I always like to. Um, think about or tell the story about when um, I mean given that, that the school where I taught 70% had um, special needs yeah. uh, learning disabilities or um, yeah. behavioral problems so you wouldn't expect necessarily this level of wit but um, I told a class that they needed to turn over a new leaf um, yeah. one day and the next day I came in um, it was probably October mm -hmm. and my in tray was mm. full of autumn leaves I like that one it was probably yeah. the nicest thing yeah. to happen at that school but um, yeah mm. um, I did have a a, um, a boy tell me he was going to see me in hell. Oh, he was. I'd nice. I'd been teaching. I had a particular class that I saw four times a week because I saw them twice for history and twice for geography, mm. which was always a bit of a chore because they'd come in and the first thing that would always be said by one of them would be, "Which lesson is this?" Yeah, you know. 
Um, and what made it even, complicated, I, yeah. even more complicated was that at a certain point in the year, you had to suspend the geography and the history and do RE for a bit. So, yes. So I saw them a lot and you got to know them all very well. But there was this one boy um, called Dylan and he'd, he'd started late in the year. So I never got to build up much of a relationship with him. And, and he was, yeah, he was at a difficult age, maybe yeah. year nine. And, um, yeah, well, yeah, he, he, the, the last day of the year, um, I said to them, I'd, I'd like to say a nice goodbye to you all because I won't see you next year. I don't, I don't teach, um, upper school. I only teach year seven, eight and nine. And, um, yes, I said, you know, I want to wish you all the best of luck and everything. And they, they all went out saying goodbye and everything. And he just went past and he went to see you in hell, miss. And that didn't make me cry. That didn't make yeah. me cry, but when all the other children came round me and they were going, you're all right. Oh, that was a horrible thing to say. And then I just burst into tears. Oh. Oh. He probably thought it was funny. Clever. No, he was just... He, like a lot of the kids there, he was very troubled. Yeah, so. something probably... Probably his parents had said to him on many occasions. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's that. So, um, oh, speaking of French, hmm. can I ask you to tell the Labat story? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, when I was, uh, I don't know, fifteen-ish, I suppose. Um, I went with my parents on a trip to Paris. Yeah. Ooh la la. Yeah. Ooh la la, Chase yeah. <laughs> And uh, for some reason, my sister didn't want to come. She did, she'd had a... Oh, I can't remember now. I think she, she'd had um, a French boyfriend so it, who was staying with some... I think he was a cousin of some friends of ours, and uh, that had gone wrong, and she didn't like the idea of coming to France. Anyway, My she was older, so she stayed, she stayed at home, and I just went with Mum and Dad to Paris. It was a part of my cultural education. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yes, we, um, oh, we stayed in a, a little a pension, and... Uh, bit rough. <laughs> I suppose we didn't expect much else in the 1960s. Mm. And, um, and there was one of these, you know, these metal cage um, lifts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was what we went up and down in, obviously. Uh, and it broke one day. It didn't work. And uh, oh, no, the landlady blamed us. Oh, les anglais, you know, always breaking the lift and all this. Anyway, that's beside the point. But so, so we were a bit sort of, oh dear, you know, yeah. <laughs> what I was a bit, ooh, French people, they don't like us. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so we went out, we used to go out for our meals, we didn't get meals at this place. I think we, I think we maybe got breakfast in our rooms, just coffee and croissant. Yeah. And then, we, so we went out for meals and, um, 
Yes, we went to a French restaurant, not not a, just an ordinary communal garden, one, not a posh place or anything. And uh, we were shown to a table, and uh, my dad, who didn't have he didn't have much French language, but he'd been trying, you know, and um, he wanted to go further back in the room, so he was saying to the waiter, "Oh." La ba, la ba, meaning back there. La ba, you know. And we, mm. the waiter was looking very puzzled, and and then it dawned on him. Well, my dad looked a bit closer. Oh, Satan, mirror! So what he thought was the back of the room was just a mirror, <laughs> and he realised the people he could see in the back of the room was us. <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. That was so funny. Yes, that was so. Um, I had one or two other excursions abroad in my teenage years, but they were um, youth host, hike, hitchhiking and youth hosteling. Yes. So, um, now, this is a good um, illustration of the way things have changed, the generation mm. gap, if you will, yeah. because the idea of Going hitchhiking as a group of young girls. I know. My um, blood runs cold when I think about it. I think, what on earth? Yeah, but, but I suppose that was before um, Fred West. Um, well, yes, but I mean, it, you know, it was sort of... Before Ted Bundy. Yeah. Um, but but we were always being told not to get into cars with strangers in those mm. days. <laughs> But somehow, if you were, if there were two or three of you, it, it was all right. Yeah. We, yeah, we hitchhiked around Luxembourg, and then the next year we did Holland, Netherlands, um, and uh, went youth hosteling. And youth hostels were terribly basic in those days, in great big dormitories with the bunks sort of three stories high, and and. I don't know what they're like now, but I should imagine they're a little bit more luxurious. But uh, I don't imagine. know. It's not something I uh, participate no. in. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. That was a great adventure. I did have to go to a youth hostel when I was teacher training. Oh yeah. Oh. I should um. At the end of the teacher training year, I was asked, do you want to accompany the school trip to France? Um, you know, as a history teacher, you might want to because uh, we're obviously going to go to the battlefields and everything, mm. learn about trench warfare. So, this is obviously before I realised that I am on the autism spectrum and I said, oh yes, I'd love to come. <laughs> So I spent two days mostly sitting on a coach, surrounded yeah. by 50 excitable teenagers. Um, and then, and then being in the youth hostel, just not being able to sleep because uh, the kids weren't sleeping, even though there were. I remember um, one of the teaching assistants, I sort of said, oh, shouldn't I be going out and saying something? And I remember one of the teaching assistants saying, oh, no, we'll, we'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll do that, you go to bed. And um, 
and I didn't get a wink of sleep. <laughs> and then on the last day, we went to a theme park for a treat. Oh, lovely. And the kids were like, oh, miss, aren't you going to come and ride on this? Aren't you going to do this with us? I was like, I haven't slept for two nights. <laughs> I haven't had any time by myself. Oh, my I don't want to get on this ride with you. <laughs>
I haven't been socialising. I've just been learning the vocab all days all evening from the previous evening. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it enhanced my conversational French one iota. No. Well, I went on the exchange when I was at school to Germany. Oh, yeah. What's her name, the German girl that came to stay with us? Well, the girl who stayed with us was Christina. Oh, Christina. She was really nice. Mm. But she wasn't the girl who I stayed with. Oh, right. She was her cousin. Because the girl who I stayed with, Kira, Mm. she obviously didn't want me there. No. <laughs> <laughs> her mum and dad were very nice to me. Um, her dad made particular efforts to communicate. Um, she And she had a younger brother called Maita and a baby sister called Sarah. And much like you, I found that most of my time talking German at all was spent talking to Mitre. Yeah. He was really interested in me and yeah. I can remember he picked up, um, I had a little pot of um, face wipes, oh. he picked up this pot and he looked at it and he was stroking his chin and he was reading oh. the instructions and everything, trying to figure out what it said and then he said, ah, he says, do has Picklin, which means got spots. My God, that's the oven went. Mine is not a kind of picklin. And I remember playing uh, a board game with him, and I did, I did, earn, I'd learned some colloquialisms off him because we played this board game, and I learned that when it's your turn, you say do bist, which um, um, literally that means you are, but. Obviously, it's your turn, your go. Yeah. So I learned do this off him, and we we had quite a nice time. But um, Kira, she didn't want me around. No. Um. Oh, and I remember playing with the baby Sarah. Um. She wanted me to play this like card game with her, and I didn't know what nochmal means. So um, she sort of mimed to me that she wanted me to turn this card, which I'd done, mm. and then she went nochmal. And I sort of shrugged. There was no one else around. And uh, she goes, Nochmal! Nochmal! Oh, and I just, 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 I <laughs> and, and Kira, oh, she said, um, oh, me and my friends are go, me and my friends going to the cinema, so we'll take you to, and um, my friends exchange person, which I think was Lisa, Lisa E, I'll say, yeah. a nice person, got on yeah. all right with Lisa E, yeah. and um, so we're thinking, well, what are they going to take us to see? And I remember we got on a train. Um, to the nearest town, or to another part of the town. It was mm. a place called Hemor, oh, yeah. which is mm. near Hamburg yeah. and near Bremen. Mm. We got on this train, 
and Kira communicated to me that she was getting me an under 15s ticket, a child's ticket, and I wasn't to yeah. say anything. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I suppose I did look a bit young for my age. Yeah. Anyway, and so all I could hear, all I could make out from her, they kept going, oh, pretty woman. So I thought, oh, we're going to see Pretty Woman. That's good, because yeah. that will be in English with German yeah. subtitles. Yeah. Good, you know, it won't be some weird German film. That, yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, it was all dubbed into German. <laughs> so I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> woman in the bath and Richard Gere staring at her legs. And that's all I can remember. And because she was singing, she they, they didn't dub when she was singing and she was singing that Rod Stewart song. If you like my body and you think I'm sexy. They didn't dub that bit. That's the only bit I understood. So I didn't know it was about a prostitute or, or anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pretty woman! Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about these, all these exchange things. I don't know that it does anybody any good. Well, are... I suppose it does if you're an extrovert, doesn't it? Well, yeah. It really work if you're undiagnosed. Uh, well, if, if, <laughs> if, you're, if you're an introvert and you're placed with a... a, a a family that aren't very interested in you, <laughs> then it doesn't work either way, does it? The only person who wasn't interested was the person who I was supposed to be, yeah. you know. I think she was yeah. fed up as well because um, it was obviously her bedroom I'd been put in and she'd been moved elsewhere. Okay, uh, yeah. I remember opening, I don't know why I opened her cupboard, maybe she opened it and I saw, but yeah. she had all these, I'd never seen so many jumpers like i don't know i suppose even now i've probably got five or six jumpers yeah and at the time i probably only had two or three and i know yeah. one of my jumpers was yours yeah probably your, yeah. you had like um like a the killing jumper it was very nordic yeah i know yeah. i wore that on the exchange yeah um and ev she just had shelves and shelves and shelves. It looked like the it looked like the United Colours of Benetton in a <laughs> shelves and shelves and shelves of jumpers and everything. So you wanted to reach in and unfold one. Yeah. Wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the the first night, I, she she she'd not. Um, removed her alarm clock from the room and I didn't know about it and I just woke up in the dark with this horrible loud noise going <laughs> I was searching where's the noise coming from you know panic 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 <laughs> eventually her mother came in and just without a word got this alarm clock and turned it off and then left not saying anything to me and I thought oh god she probably thinks so I didn't like it very much. No. No, the vicissitudes of youth. And of course, her dad was doing the whole jolly uncle thing, you know, and every breakfast he was like, eat some of this, eat some of that. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> he was really trying hard, you know. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, he he well, us out for rather better than the stuff. rather better than the German um, youth hostel keeper that uh, one of our in one of the youth hostels we were in in Luxembourg because um, some of them speak German and some French and uh, I was supposed to fill the kettle and uh, he asked he told me to do it in German. I had no idea what he was talking about. He just pointing at the kettle and pointing at the sink. And I lifted up the kettle and because there was water in it, I emptied it into the sink. Oh. Well, I was supposed to fill it apparently. Well, he was right horrible about it. <laughs> in this awful sort of, you know, like I'd seen in films about the Nazis when he was talking to me. I was terrified. <laughs> Later on, a couple of German um, chaps who were in the youth hostel, Jürgen and Reinhold, um, took took the group, because I was with some school friends, there were about four of us, I think, school friends, um, took us out for a drink. And uh, told me I wasn't to mind about it and all that. So well, they were quite pleasant. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So that revised my idea of the Germans a little bit. Yeah, because um, obviously when you went, it wasn't that well, long. Because, no, I mean, obviously you being a born just not long after the war. I mean, Dad, Dad was what they call a bulge baby. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, that's where boomers comes from, isn't it? Because it's the yeah. boom after the end of the war. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Well, um, when the, the following year, when I went with my sister and her friend, youth hosteling in the Netherlands, um, we, uh, I can remember before we met, my dad said to us, Oh, you'll be all right in, in Holland because they like the British because we liberated them in the war. Yeah. So we were, we were pleased to hear that. But when we got there, some kids started throwing stones at us as we were walking down the street and um, calling out to us something sounded like, oh, um, Deutsche, you see, and we said, oh, I think we're German, because, and it turned out that um, my sister's friend had a, a rucksack which had badges on it from, um, I suppose it was one of her parents' rucksacks, uh, and it had these, and they must have been on holiday in Germany before the war, and it got these badges, German badges sewn onto her rucksack. And so that had given the impression that we were actually German. So we were going along going, no, no, English, English. Oh, dear. <laughs> what a faux pas. <laughs> oh, God. Quite funny, actually, because my best friend from school, she, we'd asked her, because my, my sister went with her friend, and I was supposed to go with my friend, Judith, mother Judith, and... Uh, but her parents wouldn't let her go. This was this was after we'd taken O-levels, I think. So we were 16, yeah. And uh, 
they they thought she was too young to go use hostelling hitchhiking, which is quite right looking back. Mm-hmm. But anyway, funnily enough, they then decided that she wanted, you know, she was disappointed that they would take her on holiday to Holland, and uh, we were walking down a street in Rotterdam, and who should be coming the other way? But my friend from school and her mum and dad. What <laughs> <laughs> a we, we screamed in delight. <laughs> and, uh, and then exchanged uh, information about our O-level passes. So, um, <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was funny. I remember you showed me not long ago, um, don't know why you had it and not your sister, but your sister had done... Um, a, a journal of when when you were in Holland, and she'd done all these little illustrations, hadn't she? She had. She must have lent it to me. I haven't still got it, so she must have lent it to me. Yeah, it was, it was really, really charming. She'd done these, like, um, yeah. line drawings. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I... There was one of you... I'm sure in your stripy matelo. Yes, probably. Yeah. I wonder if it was something that our mother had in her possession, and then, and then we it, it had come to me with her stuff. Oh, well, that makes sense. I'll have a look, yeah. See if see if it's still around somewhere. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't know what happened to that. But yes, I do vaguely recall that. Yeah. 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 It was a fun time in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just I just can't imagine being brave enough to do it. No. I've got my own issues with travel. Like I can't Yes, well I, I don't think I I know I've been some places but yeah. um, Well I I don't think we thought about it. To the to you know I mean I, I I wouldn't do it now obviously but at the time it I don't know what it was it just seemed a time in the 1960s where one felt quite adventurous and it was just sheer ignorance really I suppose I don't know it seems very odd when I look back. That it was even contemplated. Well, I, can, I know, I know, my mother was very anxious about it, mm. but because um, I suppose she felt, or she and Dad felt that we ought to have greater opportunities in life than they had, or something like that. I don't know. Um, didn't feel inclined to stop us. But she did make the stipulation we should send a postcard home every day, because obviously, you know, we wouldn't have access to a telephone or something like that. No. When you think nowadays, you know, you just quickly text somebody, yes, I'm still alive, sort of thing. But, um, you know, to go off with no means of communication apart from a postcard, and that was assuming you could find a post office to buy a stamp in whatever country you were in. Yeah. You know, which wasn't always easy. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. So, not a world. 
<laughs> do you remember that time I was stuck at Leon Airport? I do remember that very vividly, getting a, a phone call. <laughs> Hello, I'm in Leon. Nobody's come to meet me. <laughs> I just remember thinking, I'm not sure what we can do about this. <laughs> well, what actually happened was, um, that was when I was still going out with Paul, wasn't I? Yeah. He was in, yeah. he was in um, the ski resort, Meribel, with his, oh, yeah. he was a drummer in a covers band and they were doing the winter season. Hmm. And he'd, this was the second year in a row, he'd insisted that I must come out and spend time. He could he could be really no oh, a bit of a bully really anyway yeah. um so I'd agreed and he said mm. well I I can't come and meet you at Leon but I'll send um I'll send this guy he's got a van and he can mm. meet you and I didn't know this guy no um he said I've given him a photograph of you. Now this was 2001, so it's only 19 yeah. years ago, but we, um, I still didn't have a mobile phone. No, no. And um, smartphones hadn't been invented. No, that's true. And he said, you're to meet him at the coach stop. Mm. Um this certain coach stop so I got off the plane at Leon got my luggage and I went to look for the coach stop and I looked and looked and looked I couldn't find it so I went to a desk and I asked where is this stop and they said oh once the coach leaves they remove the sign because it's only temporary you know and next time that coach will be going from somewhere else or whatever so I'm then at a point, right, okay, so we're in this, I'm in this massive airport yeah. and there's there's now no landmark no. For, for me to meet this guy. Uh, so I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows what you look like. Yeah. Well, so I did phone you because I was like, what the heck? Oh. Yeah couldn't think what do I do what no. do I do <laughs> um and in the end I, f I found this this waiting room that sort of had a glass a glass window yeah and um I guess it was dark so I couldn't see out but anyone else no. I could see in yeah. and eventually after I don't know I can't remember how long it was I sat there but there was this sort of Mrs. Bouvier moment, yeah. as I call it, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I don't know why, but it's, you know in The Simpsons when, when Grandpa wants to marry Marge's, Marge's right. mother and there's this whole thing that's like The Graduate where he bangs on the glass. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa is going Mrs. Bouvier, Mrs. Bouvier. I don't know what name he shouts out in The Graduate, but it's whatever it is girlfriend's name is who's married to someone else so yeah there's it's like that it's like that bit in the graduate this yeah. 
young yeah, yeah. was banging on the glass. <laughs> and I noticed he had this little photograph in his hand and, and yeah, that was him. I remember the first time I, I went uh, over with, with Paul, yeah. not with him, I didn't go with him, he'd already gone and he'd mm. insisted that I go and if I didn't mm. go I didn't love him and all this and yeah. I was just being lazy and everything. But honestly, mm. when he first wanted me to go, I could not picture myself, I couldn't physically picture myself making this trip and making yeah. it successfully and the stages I would have to go through. And I had a bit of a, a, a panic and anxiety attack about it. And I remember him shouting at me and everything. I think I was on the phone to him. Or I could even remember the pyjamas I had on in little <laughs> Garrett in Hove. Mm. He'd rang me up. Mm. I thought, yeah. better go. <laughs> and I figured it out eventually, like um, how to get on the... Uh, the Eurostar, mm. right, had to get a train from Hove to London and how to transfer mm. from London to the Eurostar and um, he would pick me up at Albertville where the Eurostar mm. stopped. So I, I did manage to figure it out and make all the bookings that I needed to make. Mm. And I, I, I did this trip and then he just spent the whole time berating me because I wasn't more in awe of the Alps. Really? Yes. Because he he'd got he'd brought me to this magical wonderland where it's mm. always Christmas and beautiful sea yeah, it was beautiful and everything. But obviously I was completely consumed by anxiety. Yeah. Because I the only person I knew there was him. I was it's um, expected to try and participate in winter sports. I suppose um, you put up with him for as long as you did, to be honest. So am I. He had a nice smile, I suppose. And yeah. <laughs> it was cool to be the girlfriend of someone in a band, but... Um, <laughs> no, he, he was really annoyed that I wasn't more wrapped and i also you this is tmi for you probably but he just kept going on about how much his balls hurt <laughs> because he he made this grand gesture of not being with anybody else he'd been so faithful not like his other bandmates who had you know, slept around. He'd he'd saved it all for me, and now his balls were in terrible pain. So we'd better get on and do it. And I remember actually standing in the bedroom, going, "Ow!" <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he, he sounds even worse than I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little um, bad word that I'm not going to use. Um, But because there was distance between us, because we'd not been going out very long and then he'd gone to France, I suppose yeah. I'd not seen that side of him. No. 
yeah. until I was actually there in France with him. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Off the wally. <laughs> yeah. Um, pardon? That just brought me. Dad just bought me a cup of tea and two digestive biscuits. That's nice. It's nice. Bray, mm. <laughs> eating biscuits every day. Oh. Not a good thing, is it? Yep, that's it. After that, we just rambled on about biscuits and snacks for a while. So I thought I'd end it here. I did just want to add this little outro so that I could utilise the second piece of music that I sourced, originally intending to use it as background, the first being Akabilk Stranger on the Shore, which I used for the intro. Um, the second piece that I sourced was the one that they used to dance the Sir Roger de Coverley to at Mum's school. That, I realised, was Mozart's Horn Concerto Number no. 4 which colloquially is known as the fox hunt. And that apparently is very apt because the Sir Roger de Coverley that the country dance is named after was apparently a folkloric fox. I'd heard of Rainadine, but I'd not heard of Sir Roger de Coverley. But apparently he was a fox, not a person. So there we are. Sir Roger de Coverley, Mozart's Concerto in French Horn. You're welcome. Bye bye!